Last Sunday was the um, Pentecost Sunday, and uh, I want to continue. I just feel like this summer, my, my focus probably will be on the Holy Spirit, and I just feel like you cannot do these things in one swipe, 20 minutes, cover everything there is to know about eternal truths, you know, um, <laughs> so... Uh, by the way, before I forget, Tuesday, uh, this Darren Wilson film, The God-Man, is showing. And I've, I've seen most of Darren's film. He did Furious Love, Finger of God, Holy Ghost, uh, maybe another. And I didn't see the other. But this one we watch, it's, it's really great. It's different. There's a slide here somewhere. Anyway, um, I know they did it in the last service. Oh, there it is. Okay. Well, it was there for just a split second. But um, anyway, it's, you go online, Fathom Events, Tuesday night, lots of theaters all over, uh, and it, it's really worth seeing. It's amazing. So, okay. Oh, Anne says it's slow moving. So I think maybe for, you know, this is the nature of documentaries, and if you've watched Darren's other films, he, he keeps a pace, you know, he wants to let it sink in, but we'll see if we can get Tom Cruise and make the next one an action movie, <laughs> kind of like <laughs> so, <laughs> Top Gun or something. Okay, anyway, and I want to greet, special greeting this morning to Jack and Barb Hurd, who are here, dear friends, lovely people. If you've never met them, you, you would like it. It's a blessing, so thank you. So honored that you're here. Well, this is June, and I want to declare that June is traditional marriage month. So the world... So if you live in a, a corporate world that's D-E-I, this is... A, diversity is there's a husband and a wife, okay? <laughs> And all the other ideas are all Marxist ideas. But the, uh, so it's the traditional marriage month. It's also fidelity to truth and reality month. You know, we believe that what God said, it's life, it's truth, it's, it, it, you know, it's eternal life. And I didn't bring my Bible up here. I was going to hold it up and say that, but, and, uh, oh, thank, Anne's holding it up. All right. Yes. All right. So, uh, and why, you know, we, we live in the midst of a culture that's, the scripture says we shine like stars in the midst of a, of a twisted generation. And it's not a surprise, even though the enemy is not in charge, Jesus is, but he was in charge. And right now there's some really strongly armed squatters, uh, in, you know, that are trying to avoid eviction. We know their eviction is sure. And that, that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. But meanwhile, uh, John tells us that the, the world is under the sway, the influence of the evil one. So that's why there's bad news all the time. And so, but there's good news that's eternal. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. And he leads and guides us into all truth. And the Holy Spirit applies the salvation that we have through Jesus. You know, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit are all God. And, uh, but these are deep truths. And 
Gregory the Great, who was, you know, he was, actually he descended from a, of a, dis, a distinguished Roman family. Many of his ancestors were senators and original founders of Rome, but in, he lived in the sixth century, and it was a time when, you know, Rome had, had been crumbling for a few centuries. Lots of the, the great families had moved out of Rome, gone to Constantinople, gone to other places where it wasn't so, <laughs> malaria wasn't the common uh, air they breathed. But, but his family stayed, and he became kind of like the mayor of Rome for a while, mayor, uh, you know, city manager, and he was, he, it was his job, and, he, and in that, he got a real a heart for the poor, and, uh, and he was drawn to the Lord, and he had been for some time. As soon as he was done with mayor, he renounced all his political stuff, and he started going and moving and giving family estates to the church for, uh, to care for the poor and that kind of thing. How many, you know that God is always where the poor are. So I, I wish we had the video, maybe we'll show you next week, Edgar and David and, and uh, Vinny and a bunch of others were involved in a huge food outreach in Newark uh, yesterday, and they sent me a video last night, just a little clip of it. It's quite breathtaking to see these lines of people all the way around the block, and they're happy waiting for what God's going to do to them. Uh, or give to them, sorry, not do to them. All right, so let's get into this Holy Spirit and the kingdom within life that we live because we, we can't really live without the Holy Spirit. We can't live the life we're meant to live, and so we want to be aware of that. And, it, you know, it's deep. So Gregory the Great, then I told his life story, but he made this uh, statement. Later he became Bishop of Rome, which made him Pope, of the Western Church, and, uh, but he, he had, this is a quote, he said, the truths of scriptures are both deep and shallow, in which a lamb can walk, but an elephant must swim. And so it, there's something about that, you know, scriptures are so simple that a child receives them, a new believer receives them, and yet they're so deep that we'll never exhaust the depths of revelation and truth. And so after 51 years, you know, I'm still stunned and my biggest struggle in trying to, I'm trying to read the Bible through in one year this year and I'm following this little program called Connecting the Testaments just because it was different than the normal ones. And I, I like it, but my struggle is always, I could spend hours <laughs> in one Psalm, one passage, one paragraph and have to keep doing that. But I'm telling you, they're in there. They're in the Bible. If you, if, please, <laughs> you know, this, is, this is the best thing you can do. There are simple answers, but there's always more depth. And uh, a way to explain this, a story that comes from maybe like the third century, fourth century, the era of the Desert Fathers, when persecution increased in, in the Roman Empire, which was, you know, fully pagan, and so persecution would come in waves. It became something that many would do. They would go out into des deserted places and live, and so there was a whole movement started uh, in, the, in Egypt. You know, you know, they wouldn't go like way out in the desert, but they'd go 20, 30 miles 
out from the, the urban centers of Egypt and, and live in a hut or a cave or this kind of thing, sometimes for years, and there they would just contemplate God, and they became a source of grace and wisdom to people would come out to, to talk to them. You know, they became famous for their wisdom. So this is a story. A, a young, you know, seeker who's wanting, you know, he wants to know, how can I know God? How can I successfully pursue God? And so he goes to see this desert father named Father Joseph. And he says, Father Joseph, my question is, why is it that some people begin to pursue God and they spend their whole life pursuing him and they grow and grow in holiness and become some, somewhat like you are, seeming like they're, they're you know, bearing the image of Christ and others, they start well and then they just kind of fizzle out. That was his question. So Father Joseph paused for a moment and thought about it, and he said, well, I'll tell you a story. This morning, before you came, I was sitting out here in front of my hut and uh, with, with my dog, my hound, and uh, he was sleeping, and a, a big rabbit went running by, and it woke him up. And he saw it, and he began to chase after it. And as he was chasing after it, he began to bark and bay and made all kinds of racket. And he was excited chasing this rabbit. And soon as he could hear the, the chase, you know, he could hear the dog going in and out. And other dogs heard him barking, and they joined in. And soon there's a pack of dogs. And if this rabbit was fast, he went through bramble bushes and, and uh, you know, all over rough terrain. And the dogs couldn't run as fast as the rabbit. And so after a while, the, he said, I noticed there were less and less barks. And then soon, you know, like within an hour or so, there was only his dog left barking. And, and he, you know, his dog was the last one barking. And he said, in that story, you'll find your answer. So the young guy thought, well, you know, I know he's really smart and holy, so probably... I can figure this out. But after a while, he said, I, Father Joseph, I, I don't get it at all. And he says, well, the reason you don't get it is because you didn't ask the obvious question. What was different between my dog and the other dogs that joined the chase? And so he still thought about it. And he thought, I don't know. And he said, well, here it is. My, my dog saw the rabbit. And so as he pursued it, even though it outran him, he had seen it, and he knew what he was after, and he kept going. The other dogs just joined in because they heard him barking, and it sounded like fun, and they joined the race. And so this is why, you know, I mean, this is kind of, this applies, you know. Have you ever known people, they were really on fire for the Lord, and then maybe after a while they get discouraged, they get stumbled, somebody offends them, they get mad, they get disappointed, and they just kind of drift away. And other people, maybe they start being highly successful and they, they, they lose that pursuit of, the, of what called them in the first place. And so I'm thankful that I can say after 51 years since Ann and I met Jesus, we had an encounter. It's like we saw the rabbit and we saw that what we were after and we've never fully attained. Like Paul writes in Corinthians, he says, I don't 
say yet that I've attained what I'm after, but I press toward the mark of the high calling. There's something like no matter, this is the water that's so deep that elephants must swim. There are things that we're after in Jesus, in God, in the promises of God, in knowing him and incarnating him and bearing his image that still, we're, we're much closer than we used to be, but it's still way out beyond us. In fact, I'll just give you a hint, you know, in eternity, he will always amaze us. He will all, we will always be stunned. We, there's a reason why when you read Revelation, it says, and all, you know, the elders cried out, holy, 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 and they fell down over and over again because there's depths of God that we will never in all eternity fully explore, which means it'll always be interesting, fascinating, beautiful, transforming, you know, will we'll continue forever to be more and more like him. This is my belief. And this is, you know, I, and I saw this, it was such a mystery as young believers. We were totally unchurched. We had no church background, and it, but we were drawn. We just, we had a we had a, a Bible, a King James Bible, which we tried to understand. You know, it was kind of like Shakespeare, but a little more difficult. And then we, and, but thank God for the Holy Spirit. And then we also had, someone gave us a paperback amplified New Bible Testament. So we spent the first summer, we would read the King James and then, and then we would read the amplified with all the brackets and the paragraphs, and we had no idea why they were there, but it just, you know what we were doing? We were, we were, getting, we were getting the word in us. Somebody gave us a pack of, of, you know, key Bible verses to memorize from the navigators, you know, like, so we had them, and we, we lived in this little non-air-conditioned apartment that would literally, some days it was 108 degrees inside this apartment, at least one day it was, because that was the record, and we had this refrigerator, we thought we, it was broken, and then when the weather cooled down to like 80 degrees, we found out it worked, it just couldn't keep up with the 108 degrees <laughs> environment that was in there, but we would go down to this river, when I, we had days off, we'd go down and sit in this ice-cold water, that's how we stayed cool, you know, depending on how hot it was would be how deep we were, and we would have these little cards and we would just memorize verses until we, until we could say them, until we knew them. Then we, then we would drill each other and test. Why did we do that? It's called like babes desiring the sincere milk of the word. I don't know. Nobody said we had to, like you can't get to heaven without it. We, the Holy Spirit teaches us and draws us into truth. Would you agree? So my prayer is, Holy Spirit, would you come, would you come and bring the kingdom of God into our lives, into this meeting? Would you open up the word of God and open up our hearts to that longing we have to, to know you more, to carry you more fully, to express you more transparently in all the callings that we have, to never give up to respond to the assignments you've given us with joy and gladness, knowing that it may be discouraging, but you are with us. God, we thank you that we know the end of the story and we play our part. We carry the baton in our generation, in this situation, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, 
So let's talk about the Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit is involved in everything that the Father and the Son are doing, from creation to consummation. In the beginning, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. It was a big mess. Verse two, and where the Spirit of God <laughs> was hovering over the face of the waters. And he still is. He hovers over the darkness, to, preparing it for God to speak and bring light. But the amazing thing is, at the very end of, of Scripture, Revelation 22, 17, it's with, you know, this is now new creation. <laughs> the, you know, there's a new heavens and new earth. But at the very end, uh, Revelation twenty two seventeen it says, the spirit and the bride, that would be you and me, and there's no gender confusion there. It's actually the role of the church to be the bride of God. The, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Isn't that wild? So from, from the very beginning of creation to the full consummation of, of the history that we're living in now, the Holy Spirit is moving, speaking, calling forth that which is God's greatest desire. I love that. So we're, we're told, so I want to spend a little time talking about who the Holy Spirit is, that we understand them. We're going to later, you know, we'll get into the gifts and all, all of this and how, I mean, it's the Holy Spirit who empowers us to do the, do the stuff, all right? But the, he is, uh, the Nicene Creed calls him in a very brief section, big section about Jesus because he's the center, he's the, he's the name above all names, and it's the Holy Spirit's role to glorify, to make him known, to give him glory, but he's called the Lord and giver of life. So let's talk about that. John, Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 63, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. And so Jesus, I mean, he's saying a mouthful here. He said it's the spirit who gives life. So he's the giver of life. The Holy Spirit gives us life. He makes us alive in Christ. And it tells us that the flesh is no help at all, which means this is why a lot of self-improvement projects fail. You know, I mean, because when we're, we're trying to be better, every, most people here probably want to be a better person than they are or than they were. And very few people want to be worse. Like, no, I'm too good. I want to be bad. You know, I mean, it, it, that's called longing to die, you know, or longing to, to total, be in a lot of pain. So we want to be better. But if we, we do it in our own effort without the Spirit of God on us, we can't get it done. That's what it means. The flesh profits nothing, meaning that the flesh here is just talking of our do-it-ourself effort. Now, what's amazing is, of course, the Spirit energizes and empowers us and causes us to want to do the things that God wants to do that will transform us. And so when he empowers us, it's called walking in grace, like we're going for it and we get better and better. 
And so we don't want to, you know, we don't, we, do we step out of it sometimes? I don't know. You know, I did. You ever lose your temper, get mad, get impatient, get short with someone, feel insulted, like, whoa, how dare you speak to me like that? You know, this, all these things are indicators that we've, we're kind of in the flesh. You know, like we're, we're just, and the flesh is very frustrating. The works of the flesh, you can read them in Galatians chapter five. They're not places we want to dwell. And so, the alternative to that is we stay, we walk with the Spirit. We walk, we walk with Jesus in the unforced rhythms of grace. He said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and my yoke is easy, my burden is right. You'll find rest for your soul. In fact, he says you'll learn to find rest for your soul. So this, it's the Spirit who gives life, but Jesus also says that the words he's speaking are spirit and life. Now, here's the amazing thing. The work of the Holy Spirit in you, and he is in you, you're the dwelling place, you're actually his temple, when, that you have this same opportunity that when you speak, your words might be spirit and life. What's amazing is we're all learning, right? Like, how many of you have ever said something amazing at least once? Like you say, wow, that wasn't me, that was God. You know, okay, but how many of the same people, only one person raised their hand, so there's a lot of very, really, never? You haven't said like, oh, I just, I don't know why I said it, it must have been God. You know, that kind of thing, that's good. How many, same person, within a, a month of saying something amazing, have said something you really regretted? Like, oh, why did I? You know, we miss the opportunity to not say anything, right? Like sometimes, sometimes we think, oh, I missed it. I didn't, I should have said something. But sometimes, have you ever missed it? Like, ooh, I shouldn't have opened my mouth. I should <laughs> be slow to speak <laughs> and uh, quick to hear. That's what James says. Anyway, so what this means is we're being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. You know, he's making us more holy, more holy, more holy. And uh, if you, you know, if you never stepped out of that, you would be fully sanctified. That's not a bad, that is not a bad goal. You know, that like I could actually be there, not by effort, not by having some kind of like, emotional constipation where you're just like, um, you know, you can't do that. It's just, sorry, maybe that's a, that's a bad analogy, but it's like, it's like, how many, have you ever been around people that are really trying so hard and they're miserable to be around? You just, but the thing is, grace is God's ability working in us. And it so fits you, so fits me, that when his grace is flowing through us, it feels like we're more us than we were before. You know, it's like, sometimes, I don't know if I like this term, but some people say it's like the best version of yourself. But actually, it exceeds the best version of myself when it's God, you know, it's like, wow. So, but this is what, so this is how he gives life, whoo. And uh, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. That means you have a resurrection potential in you. If you've ever fallen flat on your face, say, this is over, it's, 
I, I mean, why should I even live? Well, you could be there and the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is dwelling in your mortal body. Oh my God. And it says that he will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwells in you. Isn't that amazing that the Holy Spirit picks to dwell in you? Like, you know, I could do the Miss Nancy romper room, you know, I see everyone's face, but like he totally picked to live in Angela Campbell. He just picked it. Like he picked us, but he picked us to live in. So here's Holly Malloy, and he picked to live in her. Like absolutely picked it. Like everyone's like, well, who's that, who's that? I don't know, but to God, you know, you might be nobody in the eyes of everybody else, but you're somebody because God picked Juan Carlos to live inside him and to shine through him. So God, help us not to get negative or defeated or give up. And why would we feel that way anyway? Because we're surrounded by a world that's full of negativity, confusion, and there's a big war going on. Now, what's amazing is that we can live in the middle of a war zone and have the joy of the Lord. This is what drives the devil crazy. You know, your joy depresses him. When you get depressed, he likes it. He cheers up, at least temporarily. You know, I, do you know what you're saying? Like, your joy, your peace gives him anxiety. It's like, oh, and where do we get that? We get it from the Holy Spirit. He's the God of hope will fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust him, Romans 15, verse 13, and so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you overflow with hope. Jesus, thank you. Not only that, but your hands are anointed. <laughs> your prayers are powerful. Your, your ability, every day you wake up, you have this possibility that God could use you today. And if he doesn't use you today and he gives you a Shabbat of just like, I don't have anything for you to do today, just enjoy me, that is powerful. That's like a slice of eternity. So isn't it better than striving and being insecure and like, okay, the world is tough. You know, it's got, and, you know bad things happen. So now, the Holy Spirit gives life, and even, I just want to quickly draw your attention to Luke chapter 1, where the, Gabriel comes to Mary. Mary, do not be afraid. Fear not, Mary. And th that's in Luke 1.30, Luke 1.31. He says, behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son. Now, that must have really, like, <laughs> First, I was just afraid to hear, see an angel. Now you're like <laughs> blowing my mind. You know, you're going to conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, Yeshua. You, the, Joshua, you will save, he will save his people from sin. You know, I mean, she, he's saying these amazing things. You'll call his name Jesus. Verse 33, he will reign and his kingdom will, there, of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, and then she says, how? Listen to this, because the how that he's going to tell Mary is the same how that he tells us when we feel like, I think I'm supposed to do this, but I don't know if I can. Believe me, what, 
what he just told her no one could do except by a once in forever miracle. (laughs) And he said, but you will receive power. How? You're going to receive power. You mean if I get power, something miraculous could happen into me when, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Oh my gosh. And you will be my, whoops, I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong verse. (laughs) I'm reading the next one. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So, So the Holy Spirit comes, there's power and a miracle takes place. Therefore, the child born of you will be called Holy, the Son of God. Now, what's amazing is he tells us to wait until we're clothed with power. Not because we're not, you know, that only happened once, only will happen once forever. But what happens to every one of you, and and to me, we're all included, is that on any given day, the Holy Spirit can come upon us and we can receive power for something to happen that could never happen in our own strength. And that's the, the angel tells her, he, she says, be it unto me according to your word. He said, there's no word of God that doesn't contain the power to perform it. And and it's usually translated, for with God, nothing is impossible. For with God, there's no rhema word that doesn't carry the power to perform it. It would be one literal way to, to express it. Is that wild? So the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High. This is what he said, and I read this verse too soon, Acts 1.8, when he's talking to his disciples, they want to know if the kingdom's coming, he says, I, or, you know, at this time, and he says, look, what you need to know is you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and it's the same word as the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Now, and so when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you can, your possibilities just got exponentially expanded into anything and everything that God has ever called you to do. The Holy Spirit's very humble. Now I have to land this plane quickly. This is a short flight today. It's kind of a commuter flight. But um, the Holy Spirit is humble. He's always talking about the Holy Spirit. So he brings us power, but he's not bringing us power to glorify himself. He's bringing us power to point us to the Father and the Son so that, that we, you and me end up bearing the image and likeness of God in our lives and being truly human. When the helper comes, whom I will send from the Father. <laughs> so the helper comes, and he's sending the helper from the Father. So the, fa- the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father. He's sent apostolically by the Son. He's the Spirit of truth, which allows you to not be deceived by current issues and affairs. And he bears witness of Jesus. Verse six, chapter 16, John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth or all reality because there's not my truth and your truth and his truth and her truth, but there's truth. It's God's truth. It, the, the term in the Greek language means reality. They understood there's an absolute truth. Yay. Uh, um, 
So, okay, we'll go on from there. I won't go on any rabbit trails because I want to land this plane. And whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He'll glorify me, and he'll take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, and he will take what is mine and declare it to you. In other words, he's going to tell us everything that is the Father and the Son because you, by the Spirit of God, you become the children of God. All right. Um, the Father does all things through the Word, the Son, and he does them in the Holy Spirit. Uh, Ephesians 2.8, for through him, Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So the Father wanted to reconcile Jew and Gentile. He did it through Jesus, but it's in the Holy Spirit. The Father plans salvation, the Son accomplished it, and the Holy Spirit applies it. You need any more applications here? <laughs> I do. Okay, so I think the last thing I want to say, and you can stand up, is that the, the Holy Spirit is both Lord, which there's a direct statement that he's God, and he is the emancipator. Of any, emancipation means you're freed from slavery. So you could be enslaved to an addiction, to insecurity, to depression, you could be enslaved to all kinds like lusts and desires that you know are destructive, and the Holy Spirit will set you free. The Holy Spirit will set us free from all kinds of things. In fact, in last night at, at about, I don't know what time, 9.30, our power went out, and thank God we got a generator a couple years ago, and it ran all night, you know, so I woke up at one o'clock thinking I'm sleeping at a truck stop and I hear this generator running. And I'm saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God. for But he spoke to me and said, I'll heal, broken, I'll heal broken necks or I'll heal a broken neck. And so we prayed in the first service. There was a man who had had a, a severe neck injury and it, it was a little while ago. He said his pain, you know, after we prayed, it was 50% of what it was before, which he said that's an amazing improvement, actually, because he, he was in incredible pain. But I, I want to throw this out again this morning. I think what I'm going to do is have you come up at the end of the service, if that's you. There's grace here for many things, but I love it when the Holy Spirit speaks, and I don't want to be remiss by not taking the opportunity because that's part of being set free. Do you know if you live in continual pain or you, you're living in, in physical limitation, it's not, it is a good thing to ask God, heal me, <laughs> heal me, you know, and, you know, the kingdom is already and not yet. So when we pray for someone and they don't get healed, we know the kingdom is still coming. When someone's healed, we rejoice because we know the kingdom is here. The kingdom is here and the kingdom is coming and we live in this tension and this is the sign of a good mind that you can hold two things in tension and not get tripped up by it because God does it that way. I don't know why, but you know, we're living in the in-between. So, okay, here we go. The Lord is the Spirit. Now the Lord is the Spirit means the Spirit is God and, the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is is freedom. There is liberty. And so when the Holy Spirit comes into our life, he sets us free. 
from all our insecurities, from all our stupidities, from all these things. He sets us free, and sometimes we have to get set free more than once until it's fully established because we're used to living stupid, and he takes us into living according to his plan. Some of us get immediately set free and we never go back, hallelujah. I'm only saying to you, if you've, if you've gone back, don't be ashamed, come and say, Holy Spirit, set me free again and establish it. How did I trip up? How did, what, have you ever, like you were doing fine and then you get really offended at somebody. And maybe you, maybe you need some help with anger management. By the way, the Holy Spirit's the best anger management because he fills us with joy. But there you are, and it's destructive, and then you feel ashamed, and so for a few days, you're shut down, you're just beating yourself up, and God just says, come, tell me your troubles, confess your sins, and I'm faithful and just, I'll forgive you your sins, and I will cleanse you from most of the unrighteousness, but I'll let you suffer for another three months. No, he says, all the unrighteousness. So I'm just saying, God is here to set us free. So, and, and while we live in this world, we'll have tribulation. The amazing thing is everything we go through that's a struggle, that's we trip and fall, we smash our face. When we get up and we keep going, that's the victory. That's the trying of our faith. That's the victory. And you will notice an increase of grace, an increase of ability, and and the greater likelihood that it's not gonna happen again, ever. Do you believe that? I mean, see what it means, he saves us, and he's committed to saving us, to setting us free, amen. So how, I'll just end with this thought, and I'm, I'm over by six minutes, that's not too bad. I got up here late. It's not, no one's fault, okay, just my own, but um, I'm just, Relatively speaking, I'm not as bad as I could be. Okay, the, uh, the, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And the next verse, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, now we all, that means all of us, all the, the really great ones and the ones that aren't so great, we all with unveiled face, there's no secret, that there's nothing about you that God doesn't know. There's some things people get caught in shame. They're afraid if people know who they are, nobody will like them, and it might be true. <laughs> I mean, it might actually be true by experience, but sometimes people are so ashamed, they don't even know it. They deny it to themselves, and there's something where we bring it to the Lord, and we completely deal with it to the Lord. This is the unveiled face. No secrets, and God can, can point you. Go share this with brother so-and-so. Go share this with sister so-and-so. Get it off your chest, off your conscience. Get that shame off and let them pray for you that you'll be healed. This is why most, most prayer counseling is along this line, that God just brings up stuff so you can get free. Sometimes it's not stuff we've done, it's stuff been done to us. And it's our agony and pain that we keep these. So we all, with unveiled face, Beholding the glory of the Lord are transformed. How do you get sanctified? We behold the glory of the Lord. Who helps us? It's the Holy Spirit. He reveals it to us. We're transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Okay, end of, end of sermon. Really elegant ending. 
Um, I just want to say, if you want to be set free, and especially if you have a neck injury, um, and I want you to come up, and I'll personally want to pray for you for a neck injury, because it just felt like the Lord gave us that. So any neck injuries, get up here. Okay, great. Are you in pain? Yes. Okay, good. Now, I'm not good, but I'm, I wanted, I felt like God said it's serious, so we're going to see what God, okay, anybody that you just say, I just want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to drink from the rivers of the waters of life and be sanctified so that I'm carrying the presence and power of the one who saved me. Thank you. Are all these neck injuries here? Okay, well, get up here then. Okay, everybody wants to be filled with the Spirit, come over here. And I, because of the time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to release you, and then we'll pray for these. But Father, how many just say, Holy Spirit, I want more? I want more. The, the Spirit and the bride say, come and t- drink of the waters of life to you who are thirsty. Holy Spirit, I pray that not just here in this service, but all week long, all month long, all summer long, that you would be pouring out this river of your delights that changes and transforms us, that you would release a love for the word of God, a love for your presence, a love for the people around us, that we would love you with all our hearts. We would love our neighbors as ourselves. We would behold this kind of love that cost you so much so that we could be your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.